0: Okay, so it's time to kick off the nonprofit tax update. Um, I'm Lisa Heller, and I'm here with Jana Gudarzi. Uh, she and I have a number of important tax updates that we'll be sharing with you today. And I hope this won't be anticlimactic after the ERC discussion. Uh, we'll do our best to keep this interesting and also be respectful of your time today. Uh, so Jana's is going to kick it off with some details of the annual inflation update. Jana,
1: thank you, Lisa. So, Revenue Procedure 2023-34 was issued by the IRS, and it provides annual inflation adjustments for the tax year 2024. This includes those affecting exempt organizations, and I've highlighted on the slides those that are of particular interest to the exempt organizations. So, for purpose of defining the term unrelated trader business, um, income of certain exempt organizations will not include a low-cost article of $13.20. Insubstantial benefits that may be received by a donor without reducing the value of charitable contribution deduction, um, also $13.20. And then the next slide talks about the, um, for tax years beginning in 2023, the dues limitation to qualify for the reporting exemption for non-deductible lobbying expenses will be $140 or less. And then we get into the penalties associated with the failure to file forms 990 990-EZ and the 990-PF. So those will also increase. Um, For those smaller organizations, which are described as organizations with gross receipts of $1,274,000 or less, the late filing fee is $25 per day, not to exceed the lesser of 12,500 or 5% of the gross receipts. And for what they consider larger organizations with gross receipts exceeding $1,274,000 a day, The late filing fee is $125 per day, not to exceed $63,500. So this just serves as a reminder of how important it is for organizations to file timely. Organizations should focus on gathering the information to complete the 990 in a timely fashion and meet those filing deadlines. Because once penalties are assessed, it just really creates a burden on the organization that can easily be prevented. Um, I'm going to turn it back over to Lisa now to talk about the donor
0: advised funds. Thanks, Jana. So on November 13th, Treasury issued proposed regulations on donor advised funds. And I'm just going to call them DAFs here because it's shorter. Uh, Formal guidance on DAFs was first added to the Internal Revenue Code as part of the Pension Protection Act of 2006. And so now we're starting to get proposed regulations only 17 years later. The proposed regs cover code section 4966. They include definitions and examples of how a DAF of a donor, a donor advisor, advisory privileges, and taxable distributions. They also include examples of who is not included in these categories and when excess benefit transactions might be triggered. Uh, The proposed regs do not include guidance on some of the more burning questions surrounding DAFs. These burning questions include, uh, for example, how private foundations might work with DAFs, whether using DAFs to fulfill donor pledges and other such bifurcated payments give more than an incidental benefit to the donor, very important, how to include payments from DAFs in a recipient's public support test, and whether DAFs will be subject to minimum payout requirements like private foundations are. Uh, However, this first set of regs is likely to set a foundation for additional coming guidance in this area. The latest IRS Priority Guidance Plan lists four such projects on DAF proposed regs, including this one. So I'm glad to see that they're finally moving on guidance in this important area. There've been a lot of questions on how and how you can't use DAFs in your life. Uh, The comment period for these proposed regs was recently extended to February 15th of this year. So it's still open, Uh, they extended it by 30 days. Uh, If you have any thoughts or opinions on these proposed regs that you'd like to share with Treasury, now's the time to speak up and uh, provide comments. And now Jana will say a few words about giving trends in the charitable sector. Thank you, Lisa.
1: So we're gonna talk about the giving, next slide please. (laughs) Trends in the charitable um, giving. So it has decreased for the second year in a row. And according to Giving USA's new report, total charitable giving by corporations, foundations, individuals, and requests to support the work of nonprofits dropped by 10.5% when adjusted for inflation. And giving by individuals fell by an even deeper um, amount by 13.4%, and new donors dropped by 18.1%. So, while we're looking at um, the 2023 numbers, those aren't quite out yet. Next slide. Um, but why? What's causing the decline? So, one of the things um, is the use of donor advised funds. So, donor advised funds are not legally required to spend the money they receive, so they can hold on to it as long as they want. So, that could lead to some donations maybe sitting in those donor advised funds and not getting to the charities. Um, Individuals also tend to give more during times of crisis, which is what we saw with COVID-19. During the pandemic, we saw a spike in donations, especially to food banks and other services to help those that were directly affected by the pandemic. And then there's been an uncertain economic times. There were drops in the stock market, there's high inflation, and that causes many households really to make tough decisions about their charitable giving for the year. So how can charities turn it around? Um, Regardless of the economy, nonprofits can take steps to strengthen relationships with their donors and raise more funds. Organizations should maybe focus on new and innovative ways to fundraise, um, maybe advancing their programs, um, their digital programs to adapt to changes, the use of AI to target donors, and focus on the fundraising tool that's already in their arsenal, which is the Form 990. That's often overlooked as a fundraising tool. But organizations should maybe really think about looking at the program descriptions annually and make sure that the details um, really show all the work done by the charity throughout the year. Be more thoughtful in the details they're putting on the program descriptions, be quantitative, how many were served, days of care provided, numbers of session held, discuss goals for the current year and long term, and maybe provide some statistical information, even if it's just an estimate. Um, 990 or organizations can also review the functional expense statement on the 990. Look at the ratio of program expenditures to supporting services. Is it trending in the right direction. I know a lot of donors want to be sure that funds are being spent on program activities and not supporting the services of the charity, not the supporting services of the charities, and then update those disclosures on Schedule O, um, review those governance policies, make sure that they're up to date, that what's really happening is still um, consistent with what's going on in the organization. And just use Schedule O in general to provide some information about the organization that has some discrepancies. And and. Um, so the 990 is a great fundraising tool and the organization should really try and take advantage of that. And I'm gonna turn it back over to Lisa to talk about the UBI guidance.
0: Thanks, Jana. Just just real quick on this. In December 2023, IRS published a revised technical guide covering everybody's favorite topic, the unrelated business income tax. Uh, IRS technical guides contain information that are meant to help IRS agents work their cases. They're comprehensive, they're issue specific, and most important, they're written in plain English. So this particular technical guide is 142 pages long, and it pretty much covers UBI in all of its uh, many ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, It's important to note that the technical guide offers no new substantive guidance regarding UBI and UBIT. So sections 511 through 514 of the code haven't changed. Uh, UBI types themselves haven't changed, thank goodness. But and, and IRS doesn't have authority to make those changes through this kind of communication anyway. But this guide is a great source for one-stop shopping for all things UBI. It's intended for IRS agents, but it provides a slew of useful information for nonprofits and for tax practitioners. So to that end, the technical guide is made available to the public on the IRS website, and a link to the guide is here on this slide for your reading pleasure. In case you're ever having trouble sleeping or something, this'll be great help. Uh, can I have the next slide, please? Thank you, and now for something completely different. Starting on January 1st of this year, there's a new annual report that many US businesses are now going to be required to file with the Treasury Department. It's the Beneficial Ownership Information Report or BOI for short. This new required reporting is meant to increase accountability and make it harder for bad actors to commit fraud through shell companies and other business entities. It reports quite a lot of identifying information for individuals who directly or indirectly control a company. Uh, Treasury means business with this new reporting and you've probably seen some uh, information blast across the wire about this. They're really trying to make it known that this thing is required. Uh, the failure to file a proper BOI report can result in civil and criminal penalties of up to $100,000 per malfeasance and also possibly up to two years of prison time. So, really, it's best not to risk it. Can I have the next slide, please? Thank you. Uh, the BOI reporting rule is broad and it's intended to reach far and wide across the business world. Uh, the good news is that many nonprofit organizations are going to be exempt from filing this report. And the filing exemptions, some of them anyway, are listed here. There's 23 in total that Treasury has announced, but these are the relevant ones that I thought we should share here. Uh, The filing exemptions include governmental units, uh, organizations exempt under Section 501C, Uh, section 527 political organizations, uh, section 4947 charitable trusts, and then certain entities that assist exempt organizations and certain taxable subsidiaries of exempt organizations, not all of them. So it's important to note that not all the taxable subsidiaries are automatically exempted just because of their association with an exempt. So if you don't know whether you're required to file this thing. And I know Treasury has been trying to make it very clear about the requirement. Uh, If you're not sure whether you need to file this thing, please do check with your legal counsel. As I said, this is a new requirement and you don't wanna get caught on the wrong side of it accidentally because you assumed you're doing the right thing. So good times, right? And uh, now Jana is going to say a few words about a new-ish rule for exempt organizations doing business in DC.
1: Thank you, Lisa. So the DC tax exemption renewal. Um, As most of you know, in 2019, um, the District of Columbia Office of Tax and Revenue began to expire any current DC tax exemption status issued more than four years prior and added a new requirement to renew it every five years. So what that means is those first organizations that had to renew in 2019 will be up for their second renewal this year in 2024. So DC has said that they will send notices 180 days prior to the expiration. Well, we don't want you to count on that because, you know, with COVID, you may have been, you may have changed into maybe a virtual environment or a hybrid environment. There could be delays in the mail. So we ask organizations to be proactive. Go ahead and log online to mytaxdc.gov, which is where you'll have to go to um, renew your registration anyway. And make sure that you check to see if you're. Um, exemption has expired or if it's close to expiration, and then go ahead and file that FR-164 to renew the um, exemption certificate. Um, Some things to have on hand is your latest determination ruling from the IRS. If you're incorporated in D.C., your Certificate of Incorporation. If you're not incorporated in D.C., your Certificate of Authority. And if you've previously been recognized as a tax exemption, it's good to have a copy of that um, exemption certificate as well. And now back to Lisa
0: for the automatic
1: penalty relief discussion.
0: Thanks, Jana. Almost done here. Uh, okay, so you probably already know that IRS pretty much fell apart during the COVID pandemic, right? So, and we don't have time to unpack that right now. Maybe maybe another session, another time. But one of the many things that happened is that back in February 2022, IRS stopped mailing certain automated reminder notices for unpaid income taxes. Uh, these reminders would have informed taxpayers of tax balances due for 2020 and 2021, including interest and certain assessed penalties. IRS is now planning to resume collection notices for these unpaid tax bills. But meanwhile, there are quite a few taxpayers out there that haven't received any balance due notices from IRS in over a year. So on December 19th, IRS announced new penalty relief for approximately 4.7 million taxpayers, individuals, businesses and tax exempt organizations that were not sent these automatic collection uh, reminder notices during the pandemic. IRS will waive the failure to pay penalties for eligible taxpayers for 2020 and 2021. Uh, The criteria for eligibility are listed on the next slide. Uh, This penalty relief is automatic and it's supposed to happen between now and March, 2024. You don't need to do anything if you're eligible uh, because it's automatic penalty relief. Uh, Note, uh, could I have the next slide please? Uh, note that any taxes due plus interest for these years will not be waived. Only the failure to pay penalties on these balances do. But that's that's something, and something is better than nothing. Uh, penalties related to Form 990-T filings are included in this automated penalty relief. But the penalty relief does not apply to uh, a late-filed Form 990 during this period. So if if for whatever reason you filed your form 990 late for 2020 or 2021, those uh, per day uh, late payment penalties uh, are not gonna be affected by this, unfortunately. Uh, For more information, we've provided a link to the IRS announcement on this slide. And that's it for the tax update. Uh, Thank you everybody for your time and attention.
1: Thank you for listening to the GRF On The Co. podcast. Visit our website at grfcpa.com for more information about the services we provide, the industries we serve, or to request a quote.